old hunter wondered had she taken the blame for their deaths upon her shoulders and if so how would it affect her boy look it's their king it's about time he bloody showed up these men are shitting themselves they need some hope to cling on to you should know as well as anyone these bloody kings don't do the fighting nor any of the dying no, they leave that to the likes of us. Of course, they'll get all the glory and praise. While young lads scream for their mothers, bleeding out in their own shit, ran through the length of steel by some other fool. The horse was as white as alabaster. The lever of its saddle, reins and bridle had been stained a dark blue. The horse's barding, the burgundy from the nation's flag, and all of it trimmed with a polished gold, and sat atop was an equally polished armoured man. He was squat and fat, that was plain to see, and his face looked as white as his mount. A wispy beard and stout nose protruded from his ugly face. If this was the symbol of hope they needed, then they were all in big trouble. Heavily armoured knights rode alongside on each flank. Their armour, though not as elaborate as the king's, was still an exquisite sight to behold. I count not in personal God. <laughs> Look at the size of him. They'll need every one of them just to cover his ass. I'm guessing Argoin would be number 20. Ah, oh, that didn't even occur to me, that. Poor Argoin. Brave man. Poor bastard. His attention pulled away once again. Now to beyond the battlements. Emerging from within the mass of cultists, a banner-bearer marched forth. Thick-set and tall, both hands clutching a wide pole which swayed with the weight from atop it. His armour had been blackened and dark furs sprouted out from around the neck and exposed arms. Even from here, Orin could see how pale his skin was. Dark tattoos or war paint standing out from its bloodless flesh. As it neared the walls... A mourn-filled wail bounced off the surrounding battlements. Somehow, some way he knew it was Kriya, and as he focused on the approaching banner, he saw not a flag, not a ragged cloth painted with a symbol of unity or devotion, but instead a man, a broken and bloody man, his hands bound as well as his legs lashed to the pole. The man's fair hair was matted with blood and dirt, a body punctured with wounds and legs crumpled from severe fractures. He squirmed, letting out a horrid cry begging for death as the monster in armour shook the pole from beneath. Orin recognised the voice. Bredic. No. No. Tears welled up in the old hunter's eyes. He did not bother to wipe them away. He had hoped that he would meet Burdick again, hoped that the squire would be waiting back in Vengarth, and he would let him know that he understood his actions now and was grateful for all he'd done for him, even though they had parted on bad terms. Yet now, as he looked, a stream of tears cascading his face, Orin knew he would never get the chance to say those words to Burdick. He squeezed his eyes closed in a moment of frustration. Orin turned, looking Cormac in the eyes, his face a picture of fury. Whoa, whoa there, lad. Keep it calm. Remember, it's not just you here. 
Come on, let it go. He knew exactly what to do next. Reaching for his quiver and pulling out an arrow, he tore away the pitch-soaked rag, exposing the bodkin arrowhead. He took a deep breath. Kriya. Kriya had known before she saw him. A strong, unshakable bond had developed between them in their years together. He, her squire, and she, his charge. Standing on the outer wall, she howled out her grief, her anger, her pain. Tears streamed from Kriya's glowing eyes, filling the crease of her wide mouth. She would not taste how bitter they were, as the urge to lick them always proved fruitless without a tongue. Instead, the sleeve of her battle dress sufficed, her leather gambeson replaced by the mana weave of a Sundaran magus. The sleeves were silk-infused with ancient sorcery, rectangular strips of silver woven into the fabric, helping to channel her innate powers. The garment's dark green seemed to blend into a midnight blue as it caught the daylight. Her heartbreak was severe. She had known Bradick and she had loved him like the brother she once had. He would have died for her and she in turn for him, yet now, as she watched on, his broken body strapped to a pole like some hideous fetish. Sadness gave way to rage. She watched as from the west an arrow flew from the battlements. It was not until she saw him moving, all around him still, that it had been Orin who fired. Shocked, but for the briefest of moments she felt his intentions, and a smile of gratitude broke the grief within her. As his agonized cries ceased, Kriya felt Bradic fed from this world. She offered up a silent prayer to Galador. Her squire had earned his place within the halls of eternity. She would not let this act go unpunished. Bradic was a son of Kalandor, and his body would be brought home. Without a pause, Kriya leapt into the air, the twenty-foot drop doing little to deter her. She ignored the sounds of protest as she used her magics to ease her landing, the ground blasting apart as she came. She moved, headlong, covering the distance between the walls and the banner bearer, her legs moving like a deer as she galloped in a blood-fueled madness. Emerald green sparks surged the length of her arms. The gathering enemy saw her and began to march forward, the banner bearer dropping the pole and unleashing a huge morning star. Closing in, a wave of green lightning, an arc of electrical death split all before her asunder. Bodies exploded in a spray of blood borne and scorched flesh. The path was clear. The huge armored warrior walked towards her, circling the air with his deadly weapon, narrowly missing the icon of magics as she stepped aside his strike. She heard the volley of arrows from the walls behind her, as well as Orin's voice calling out to her. But she did not care. Throwing both her arms out wide and low, droplets of blood flying from her hands in the action. The energy raced to form blades within her grasp. The dark-armoured knight came again, arcing its weapon right to left in rapid succession. Yet all its blows fell short. Kriya moved with grace and speed, seeking the right time to strike. And now, 
that time had come. Rolling under a sideward swing, she came up, both blades leading the way in an upward stab to the chest. Unlike a steel sword, these blades did not puncture. Instead, they burned through the plate, scorched the bloodless flesh, turning bone and dried up innards to cinders. She parted her arms, separating the revenant's upper torso from the rest of it. Without stopping, Kriya kicked over the remains and leapt to braid its body. Wasting no time, she grasped the pole and with a strength none could foresee, charged headlong back towards the city. She glanced back. Hundreds of screamer hounds came charging in from behind her. Cultists and shambling undead alike, some still wearing the uniform of Kalendor, followed behind. Then... The ground shook as it approached. The demon was gone. A loud roar of triumph came from the cultists as they raised their weapons up to cheer amongst the sea of black robes and blood-red banners. Rhea, what are you doing? Run! The icon of magic stopped. Calling off her powers, she reached to her waist and from a sheath retrieved a long knife. Looking out across the battlefield, the enemy drawing nearer by the second, she slashed across her palms and squeezed them. <laughs> she held both her hands together and in the air the blood free flowed. Down her elbows, 